Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 7th. 2017, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We have two trips to Arkansas coming up, one in March for the Spring Equinox, which is Athena's birthday, and the other in May for Pleiadian Lineup. This is a starseed gathering of soul family, and eligibility requires having at least one star marking at galactic degree, which is 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign. This is a new four-day event redesigned to bring all star seeds to their next level of activation. If you feel the call of the crystals and a desire to reunite with your star seed family, you can register for either our spring equinox gathering which is March 17 through 20 or the next one which is just about full for Pleiadian lineup in May uh, 19 through 22 and you can write to crystals that's plural c-r-y-s-t-a-l-s at starseedhotline.com for more information well our special guest this evening has um, returning is returning for another visit we love to have Louise Hauk with us She is a time-traveling, intuitive, spiritual counselor. For nearly 30 years, she's presented to audiences and consulted for clients internationally on transmitting from the heart and the functionality of telepathy. It's a wonderful time to be alive because, as Louise believes, we're all here to evolve into highly intuitive, multidimensional beings. These days, Louise has a lot to say about telepathic communication with the higher self of others, those suffering the effects of dementia, stroke and coma, employers, ex-partners, difficult friends or relatives, pets, and all of nature. Louise is also passionate about giving evidence of our ever-present connectivity to unconditionally loving higher energies, including certain religious icons, to the angelic realm and elemental world, and to loved ones in the non-physical. She's a futurist and intuitive author of Beyond Boundaries, Heart Links, Fearless Future, and Streaming Consciousness. You can check out her YouTube channel and her website, which is louisehauk.com, and that's L-O-U-I-S-E, Louise, and Hauk is H-A-U-C-K.com. Well, we would like to thank Jada and Tammy for hosting the switchboard this evening for those who may have a comment or question for our guest, Louise. And Vanya, sweetie, we're sending you some big warm hugs to stay warm in that blizzard up there in Canada. So um, be careful. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk Radio. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. 
The Stage 1 starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions make a big difference. So you can contact Tammy through the website if you have something you need help with. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. If you want a stage 2 interpretation of your solar return chart, please order it at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her ever-popular Starseed News. Hello, Anastasia. Well, good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Lavendar, and all of our listeners. It's great to be with you tonight. Uh, we do have a chance of solar storms, or did have sometime today, perhaps into this evening. NOAA forecasters are estimating a 40% chance of polar magnetic storms today when the Earth crosses through a fold in the heliospheric current sheet. What's that? <laughs> it's a giant rippling system of electrical currents in space. And they say that not long after this crossing occurs, maybe tomorrow, a stream of solar wind is expected to hit our planet's magnetic field, and the source of the stream is a hole in the sun's atmosphere. So that's what's up with the sun. But more space news. And by the way, this comes from spaceweather.com. A green comet is approaching Earth. Cool, huh? This week, wow. a small green comet named 45P, has a much longer name, but I'm going to give you the short version, uh, is approaching Earth for one of the closest comet flybys of the space age. On the nights around the 11th of February, Comet 45P will be an easy target for binoculars and small telescopes. It will reveal itself in eyepieces as a little tiny emerald-colored fuzzball. So go check out the green comet. If you have those tools. Yeah, green one. Well, this uh, article comes to us courtesy of a Starseed listener that forwarded this to me just today, and I wanted to share it with you. There's so many news articles of importance. My goodness, I can't possibly get them all, but this one is something you all ought to know about. And uh, researchers from the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in La Jolla, California, have made history. How have they done it? They've created a human-pig hybrid which is a task they achieved by injecting days-old pig embryos with human pluripotent stem cells. Now, such as these cells like these, uh, they're like embryonic stem cells, are able to divide indefinitely and become any type of cell in the body. They're called pluripotent stem cells. Now, the human pig embryos were then transferred into adult pigs and allowed to grow for up to four weeks before they were removed and analyzed. Now, the long-term goal of such research is to figure out, so they say, if it's possible to grow human organs inside of other species like pigs. Now, human embryo development and drug development and disease processes could also be studied, they say, using chimeras. Now, you all know that animal chimeras have been developed in the recent modern past, not to mention the ancient past. Now, uh, in September of 2015, the U.S. National Institutes of Health, NIH, issued a moratorium on funding research involving injecting human stem cells 
into animals. They banned it. But last year, the National Institutes of Health announced a plan to potentially lift this funding ban, noting that such experiments are, quote, really important and exciting to understand how disease works. Well, that seems to be a chopped-up sentence, but that's the quote I got out of the article. In any event, as of January this year, NIH funding ban is still in place, which certainly seems to be uh, probably the wise choice given the risks involved. And as an MIT Technology Review pointed out, quote, the agency also wants to explicitly bar any of these human-animal chimeras from being allowed to reproduce the risk very remote, but which could have disastrous consequences for public confidence in science, is if two chimeras should mate and give rise to a human fetus. That could happen if their sperm or egg were human. Well, the question then remains, human-animal embryos, what possibly could go wrong? Well, the ability to grow human organs is undoubtedly an intriguing area of research to scientists who do it just because they can. About 76,000 Americans are reportedly sitting in wait of healthy organs for transplant, and they say that the reality is these GMO technologies could have unforeseen and devastating consequences. Yeah, I imagine they could. Oh, Quote, my God. The work inevitably raises the specter of intelligent animals with humanized brains and also the potential for bizarre hybrid creatures to be accidentally released into the wild according to The Guardian. Now, indeed, no one knows for sure if inserting human cells into non-human animal embryos might lead to the creation of non-human animals with human consciousness, but a neuroscientist with the Camilla Center for Animal Advocacy told one organization, quote, these organisms may be capable of self-awareness to the extent that they understand their identity and circumstances, which produce unbearable suffering. Will we know when the subjective experience of such a being has crossed the generally accepted line of decency and morality? If we cannot say with certainty that this will never happen, then we need to stop this kind of research right now before we find ourselves in a world where there is no line. Well, there you go. They do it because they can and because money is allowing them to do that. You know, there's an old saying, um, God doesn't need your money, but the devil can't do without it. So, you know, where we choose to put our money is a big deal in a world where money can fund some pretty awful things with possibly potentially disastrous outcomes. All right, well, this is from Sputnik. Oh, forgive me, great, great beings of politics that I am quoting fake news, okay, but I'm sharing this with you. Nevertheless, this comes from Sputnik. Uh, The headline is CIA spooks used uh, 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 research, psychic research, to scout out Mars and to spy on the Martians. Now, you all heard about these recently declassified CIA files that reveal that at some point – with this article particularly. At some point, the agency, the CIA, actually attempted to employ extrasensory perception to investigate Mars. And last month, the CIA published over 13 million documents, which, along with details of more conventional spy operations, contained the records of the agency's more esoteric pursuits, 
such as investigations into UFO sightings and studies into the use of extrasensory perception. Now, one such document, according to this publisher, says that the CIA, uh, apparently dissatisfied with spying only on the people of Earth in the present day, turned its attention to prehistoric Mars, and on May 22, 1984, performed a scrying of the Red Planet's ancient past with the help of a clairvoyant. According to the document, the clairvoyant who took part in the experiment was given a sealed envelope containing a 3x5 card with the following information. The planet Mars. Time of interest approximately 1 million years B.C. Now, what did the government think back in 1984? What in the world, why in the world, you all probably know this answer, of course, would they want to investigate Mars one million years ago? Mm. Well, we'll just leave all of those blanks. They can fill in themselves. But there you go. Not really new news, but it has uh, kind of made mainstream media, kind of, sort of. Mainstream, sort of. Well, um, in Ankara, in Turkey, this is uh, a man that lives in Turkey, the mayor of that town, the mayor of Ankara, Turkey, is warning people of technology that is triggering man-made earthquakes. Now, this comes out of Yahoo News, by the way. And they say that this uh, little town's mayor is outspoken. And today he warned that outside forces could be used using sophisticated technology to try to trigger a man-made earthquake in a deliberate bid to harm Turkey's fragile economy. Now, this mayor has been mayor of the Turkish capital since 1994, and he made these claims on Twitter where he regularly updates his more than 3.7 million followers. Now, his comments were made after two earthquakes hit the western province on Monday and today, this morning, yesterday and today, measuring 5.3 and 5.2 magnitude respectively. And in these tweets, this mayor shared a video in which he claimed there were tools for causing man-made quakes, and he called all submarines and ships with large equipment to be taken under the control of the authorities. And, of course, there's more to that story than I know to tell you, but that's what I have, and I'm passing it along. And in California, the San Lorenzo River is rising to major flood stage, it's uh, overflowing its bank and s- banks in several spots between Santa Cruz and Felton, where the river rose to major flood stage. And in downtown Santa Cruz, the river reached uh, what they call moderate flood stage, 23.3 feet, just after noon today, and it's still rising. And uh, Santa Cruz County officials have sounded a flood uh, warning siren this morning, notifying a residents of impending danger. They say that firefighters have rescued residents trapped inside their homes by floodwaters, and they say that the river was overflowing onto Highway 9 at Sycamore Grove, and they say that Sycamore Grove now looks like a, a lake. Uh, reportedly never had flooding there in that area of Santa Cruz like this before. So from drought, uh, feast and famine, drought to uh, intense water in California. And in Sydney, Australia, there have been intense thunderstorms, had some in my area of the U.S. here, just today, pretty big thunder and lightning, but not like this. Uh, in Sydney, uh, a house collapsed and major roads slowed to a crawl while lightning strikes closed the airport, and even the Salvation Army there needed emergency help as a, a series of intense thunderstorms drenched many parts of Sydney today. 
They say that this, uh, these storm cells formed with little warning and dumped almost as r- much rain on Sydney in an hour as they collected in all of January. They just overwhelmed drains and roadways. So the floodgates there in Sydney, Australia, have opened up this very day. And four of Iceland's volcanoes are priming to erupt. And we all pretty much are aware, I hope, hope because of what we talked about on this show, that Iceland is a hugely volcanic place. I mean, they have just so many volcanoes with uh, varying eruption styles. Some of them spew out a little bit of uh, lava or a lot. Some of them explode so that all of Europe gets blanketed in ash. Well, as reported by a periodical called the Iceland Monitor, the nation's geophysicist, one of the, I wondered when I read this, do they only have one geophysicist? But anyway, the nation's geophysicist claims that four of the country's angry mountains are exhibiting pre-eruptive conditions. And the volcanoes in question are Katla, Hekla, Barabunga, and Grimspotten. And uh, they say that there's no data or references given in that article, uh, and that's kind of where it leaves us. Um, they do say that this Katla... Uh, one of them in question is a really sizable volcano volcano that's been showing signs of reckless uh, restlessness recently, having a lot of tremors around the five-point mark. So they say that, yeah, there's something going on in Iceland, and four of them are acting uh, stirred up under the surface. So we'll see. That's such a tiny country. Goodness, I would hope that four volcanoes don't go off at once there. That would be awful. And we'll just hold the space that that doesn't occur. But anyway, just sharing the news here. And today was another eventful day here in the United States. They say that there were apocalyptic scenes in Louisiana and New Orleans after four huge tornadoes flipped cars and trashed homes just today. They say that parts of eastern New Orleans looked like a disaster area following that line of severe weather that blew through the city this morning. They say that it tore roof off homes, uh, ripped through gas stations, broke power poles off their foundations, flipped trucks upside down, etc. They said that hail as big as ping pong balls was observed near Kenner, Louisiana. More than 10,000 homes and businesses lost power in southeastern Louisiana today because of the storms. So really intense weather uh, going on here in the south. And uh, this might seem, seem an odd news article for Starseed News, but I felt inspired to share it with you, so I'm going to. And uh, the headline reads, China warns the U.S. against stirring up instability in the East China Sea. And what's up with that? Well, Beijing has reminded the United States that it has inherent sovereignty over a group of uninhabited islands in the East China Sea after the new U.S. Defense Secretary vowed to continue to protect protect these islands on behalf of Japan. Now, the islands, which are known as Seneku in Japanese and Daiyou, I didn't say that right, in Chinese, but they were transferred by the U.S. under Japan's administrative control in 1971, and that sparked a territorial dispute with China. Now, Beijing has claimed ownership of the islands from the 14th century, while Tokyo argues that it had ownership of the islands from 1895 until its surrender at the end of World War II. So something to be mindful of, that stuff going on in the East China Sea. Just a little bit more things bubbling where we may not think to look. And, uh, oh joy, GMO apples, more of them, are coming to a store near you. 
Now, uh, a company called Okanagan Specialty Fruits has been allowed to market a new variety of GMO apples without telling people that the reason these apples are so special, which, by the way, is on the packaging, uh, they're not telling people that uh, they're special because they're genetically modified. Now, while the fruit won't be explicitly labeled as a GMO product, the company says that that information will be available by scanning a QR code on the packaging. The company says, and I quote, we are selling this GMO apple under the Arctic brand, and we've had a lot of press and attention, so I assume most people will know what it is, according to the company founder. So he says, most people will know what it is. Well, I doubt that, and that's why I'm sharing it with you. So you want to be mindful of the Oganahan Specialty Fruits uh, uh, brand and uh, also uh, the sub-brand Arctic uh, when you go to purchase apples. They say that most people are just not going to know that the fruit they're buying has been tampered with because most people don't carry around a QR scanner at the store to know what the heck they're buying. So there it is, and they're being allowed to do it. Uh, And uh, an interesting article out of the Telegraph, this is about uh, some history and some archaeology. Hundreds of ancient earthworks resembling Stonehenge have been found in Brazil's Amazon rainforest. Now, this is not exactly brand spanking new uh, information. Some of you may have already heard about it. Some of you have not. But they said that hundreds of ancient earthworks, not hundreds, mind you, of ancient earthworks resembling those at Stonehenge were built in the Amazon rainforest. And scientists have discovered this after flying drones over the area. Now, the ditched enclosures have been concealed for centuries by trees, but modern deforestation has allowed 450 enclosures to emerge from the undergrowth. That's a lot. Wow. Now, the earthworks are known by archaeologists as geoglyphs, and they say they probably date from around the year zero. Now, although the function of the sites is unknown, Scholars say what's so interesting is that they resemble the Neolithic causewayed enclosures found at sites such as Stonehenge in Wiltshire, resembling Stonehenge architecture in the Amazon. 450 of them. Wow. Holy moly. Aren't we full of mysteries on this planet? So many truths concealed. But, you know, we have intuition to guide the way and uh, connection to spirit into our souls to light our paths. Some of this stuff isn't so important. It's interesting. Some of it uh, is very hard to sort out. But as I tell my clients, you know, your soul remembers everything. So don't get your head, you know, taught, uh, all tied up in knots over trying to figure some of this stuff out because your soul already knows it. Just uh, hold the space and uh, work on your development and uh, bring in that light. That's what we're here to do, not get too worried over all the things that are so difficult to figure out. There's a wonderful word uh, that I discovered not too long ago. It's called ataraxia. Hmm, what is ataraxia? Well, there's a medical term called ataxia, but that's not what ataraxia is. Ataraxia is a word coined by a uh, philosopher. Now, let me see if I can remember who this might be. Was he Greek? Give me a second here. I made myself a little note. I'm going to share this with you. It has a point to be made with what I just said. It was um, an Athenian philosopher, Epicurus, 
who said that ataraxia, which, by the way, means a state of freedom from emotional anxiety and disturbance. It means tranquility. And Epicurus said, by the way, he lived in 270 B.C., he said that this state of tranquility, ataraxia, is acquired by shunning politics and obnoxious people, by paying no attention to gods or an afterlife, and by devoting oneself to trustworthy friends and a simple life. Food for thought. (laughs) And uh, from my heart to yours, all of you have a beautiful week. Much love to you. Peace. And we will see you again next week for Starseed Deuce. It's going to be a great show tonight. There's going to be some really good, inspiring information to come through. We have our guest is wonderful. It's going to be great. Yes, yes, it is. So, well, Anastasia, thank you so much for the news. I mean, that's I'm going to have to think about that for a while. Um, yeah, some, you know, sometimes we get ourselves yeah. tied up in knots, and we just need to kind of mm. relax. Unlax is a friend of mine. Yeah, unlax. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love to you all. See you next week. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Okay, so um, now I'm going to get uh, Lavendor's mic open and our guest, Louise Hauk. The switchboard got really full all of a sudden. Um, There you are. Okay. Okay, well, Louise, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always great to be with you. Yeah, we love having you. You're like one of the family. So, Lavendar, um, Jan, can you hear us? I'm here. Here. Okay, great. Well, take it away. Hey, Louise. I'm so glad that you um, agreed to come and be our guest tonight. So tell us what's new with you. I know that you've been traveling around and doing a lot of fun things, so just kind of fill us in on what you've been doing lately. Well, first of all, gosh, the news, so those two uh, aspects of about consciousness, wow, <laughs> oi, oi, oi. <laughs> I, I'm so used to merging with another's consciousness when I work with clients and going anywhere in time, but I can't say that I've gone to prehistoric Mars <laughs> or that I've explored injecting human stem cells into animals uh, and giving them human consciousness, but I'm fascinated with the study of consciousness. And the functionality of it, oh, my goodness, it it is so useful, this higher level of consciousness. I loved hearing that the soul knows everything, the soul remembers. And the higher self, I guess you could call it the oversoul, it has such an overview, uh, definitely above the fray, above the ego self's agenda. And it's so useful when I merge with my client's timeless consciousnesses and go forwards or backwards in streaming consciousness that's like a stream that goes beyond time. Oftentimes I'm pulled to the past to see through a client's eyes at a strategic time. Um, it's, it's, it's really sad uh, the number of people who reach me at times thinking that I can erase the past when they're feeling shame or guilt about a decision, decision they made in the past. And my son, who's my webmaster and producer, he said, watch it, Mom. When you call yourself a time-traveling clairvoyant, people are going to think you have a time machine. And indeed, people, there are those who wish I did. And I always maintain that the past only exists in the way we hold it. And so when I go to the past and I'm seeing through a client's eyes, I merge. Uh, it's shifting our relationship to that event. And then with that shift, I can pull a thread to the future and to see what's new and different as a result. A really dramatic example, I was in Portland last 
summer or late spring. <clears throat> and I was waiting to for a couple to come. I was staying with a hostess and watching the couple come up the walk. And the husband was was walking very slowly. He looked like he was quite in pain. And once they got settled, they reminded me that I'd seen them seven years before when their daughter had been killed in a car accident. And she she come, she came in quite readily, just a thought away. It's The heart is the conduit that dials them in. And they always love to show exactly what the client was doing that dialed them in, whether it was talking to their picture, feeling them in their heart, reminiscing or making an association about them. So we, we, we I relayed, I'm just a messenger, one big game of charades, um, relayed those messages. Then I felt a pull to, to the husband. I turned to him. Apparently he'd been on dialysis, was in a lot of pain. And I, as I emerged by taking that first deep breath after invocation, I find myself in his backyard, and he's about seven or eight years old. And we're wait, we are waiting for his father to come out the back door to, to play ball with him. It feels so tentative. It's, we're feeling so hypervigilant. All of the conditions have to be right. He has to have not been drinking. He has to have not been fighting with mom. And then I said to, to the client, did you used to wish for your ship to come in, thinking it was a metaphor? He said, my dad was in the Navy. I was constantly, literally waiting for his ship to come in. And then again, there'd be all these conditions. So we're waiting for dad to come out, feeling very on, on guard and very conditional. Uh, and we turned to toss the ball to the dog. I am very sensitive to, when I, particularly when I emerged with another, to what makes their energy contract and what makes their energy expand. When they go into fear or talk about sleepless nights, certain things that cause them fear or uh, to kind of go outside themselves, I can feel my energy immediately contract. When they go to something heartful, my energy fills the room, and, and I'm feeling their energy doing the same because we're merged. The minute I mention the, the memory of him tossing the ball to the dog, his energy just filled the room, and he lit up. Uh, he said, that's the last time I ever remember feeling joy. And so I encouraged him to adopt that little boy self that had optimism, imagination, intuition, um, and to bring him into the present and to imagine him sitting in the passenger seat beside him when he drives and and to receive his, his energy, his uh, his vitality, and so on. So we went on to other things and with the wife and so on. And a few days later, the wife emailed me, and she said, you know, my husband is walking so much more quickly, so much more energe- energetically now. And it was simply that he had retrieved his little boy self. Uh, but he, but so he brought with him that joy. He completely forgot in that moment. It was so dramatic, so moving to see his whole demeanor, his whole energy shift and expand just with that memory. So we were in the past. You know, all of time is occurring simultaneously outside of this linearly perceived third dimension reality. I'm sure all your listeners are well aware. You're, you're pretty uh, sophisticated metaphysically. Um, but but how how what a demonstration of how that little boy was waiting to come come into his future where he would be unconditionally loved. So I always coach them to telepathize to that little boy self when little boy or girl self as they adopt them and bring them into the present, the child's future, to to say to them, you're safe now and now you can play. I'm going to take care of you. All we need is our 
condition to a, uh, our connection to a higher power. Uh, and, and it really, it brings back certain memories that are important uh, and, in, and definitely enlivens the spirit. I, I think some call it spirit retrieval, but that's when we go to the past. Um, I, when I go to the future, I'm always cautious that the future not take clients out of the present. So I'm always emphasizing that the portal to the best probable possible future is uh, the present, living fully in the present. And I'm always looking for a better metaphor to for people who say, tell me my future, as if it has nothing to do with what they're doing in the present. And I, I started with the metaphor. I may have mentioned this the last time that I thought maybe, maybe if people saw themselves as a space station and depending on how they're living their life in the present, taking responsibility, learning from their challenges, expanding and moving through from moving through their challenges will influence all these satellites of potential, possible, probable, positive potentialities, these future possibilities floating around out there like satellites that are going to lock into their space station. And my niece is a naturopath. She said, I don't think satellites lock into space stations. So I kind of left it with space shuttle, but I'm always open to a better analogy. Anyway, it did. So, but, so the best, the portal to the best, your best future is by living fully in the present. And that's the connectivity as well to a higher power, to these guides and all that, that incredible energy that can move through us. Creativity as well. I often quote Deepak Chopra, who says that creativity is divine energy expressing itself. I think everyone can relate to a moment when it just comes through you. When I'm presenting to audiences and, and it's clear, concise, words and I'll say somebody write that down who said that and that's simply being in alignment so the future information can can sort of serve as a carrot on the stick some people don't know they deserve a happier future uh, and they can make adjustments in the present that can line them up with a, a new and, and better future so it's a little bit like a, 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 a tantalizer um, uh, and I, my favorite example is plaid boxer shorts in terms of how we can't even come close to how creative the, the universe is in the different futures that are possible. And I tell clients, as I, when I describe future information, I've dipped down in a potential future moment, and I'm just looking around and overhearing conversations. And, and I, I say to them, so watch what your left brain, your logical mind, is going to do with future information. And I'll hear them say, oh, that must be this, that must be that. And I'll, I'll, they'll always hear me say, it's future. Your imagination can't stretch as far as the universe can create. Uh, so plaid boxer shorts. Client had lost her lover, was convinced there'd never be another. And I see a future potential partner in khakis or dockers and something about plaid boxer shorts. And he's saying to her from the future, hang in there. We've designed this so that you can really explore your power as a female this time. You've really given up a lot for me in another time. And, and once you, you create that space and hold your own space as a sovereign, empowered woman, we'll come together and move on to new adventures. So then there was just something about plaid boxer shorts. Well, now, seven years into their now 15-year relationship, they're in their weekend mountain cabin, and Steve comes down the stairs from the guest room with a pair of plaid boxer shorts. And he says, where did these come from? 
And and my client just about fainted. She just about fell over. So we can't even estimate how the future is going to unfold. Also, I really like to show how it is one big game of charades. It's not logical. It's not literal. When people ask if there's anyone I can't read, I always get what I get. But the most difficult person to read is one who's totally in their head, totally analytical. Uh, and they'll take everything literally. It's more like dream interpretation. Uh, and so, uh, so I'll, I, I think it's really instructive to take clients behind the curtain and say, okay, this is what I'm downloading. It could be this. It could be that. Um, I, if I don't get it one way, then if it's a soul in the non-physical, they'll give it to me another way. Just, just recently I was reading a gal in London and uh, her, her father had passed over and he's pantomiming something like, like doing his hands around his neck. I said, did he, was he a minister? Did he used to wear high collars? Was there, did he have throat problems? I'm going on and on again, like charades. No, no, no. And then it's usually when they're dismissive. They, then they say just offhandedly, well, you know, he, he, he loved, I know he loved me a lot and he paid for my college. Uh, and I said, did he go to your graduation? I said, and she said, no, he didn't get to, but I know he must be proud. I said, did you wear a robe at your graduation? Yes. Did it have a high collar? Yes. <laughs> her, grand, her father was trying to say, yay, you graduated. I'm so proud of you. So, uh, it, again, it's often uh, in the most dismissive uh, moment that, that, that they'll be right on with when they've let go of trying to literally interpret what this information is. It's very multi, multidimensional, timeless, and multilayered. Um, so I have a lot of fun in in presenting these 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 pantomimes, uh, and again, if they if I don't get it one way, they give it to me another way. I think I've mentioned before the the grandfather in the non physical who who projected information that gave me the impression of Briar Rabbit, uh, Briar Patch, the Chandler children's book I grew up with. So I'm futzing with that Briar Rabbit, Briar Patch. Oh, Granddad lived on Briar Road. And so they'll project certain things to get me to say certain words, and I never know what I'm saying. And and I tell my apprentices that that it's often when you give up trying that it'll it'll come in this multidimensional, timeless information. And I know when I'm doing consultations, uh, I will often the most dismissive information is often the most accurate. And I, I realized that it's because you'll have less, you'll have less attachment to it. You'll, there'll be less uh, tendency to project. And so when you're saying, well, it's kind of like blah, 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 and they'll say, oh, yeah, that was, his, that was the name of his street. <laughs> so the, 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 the information we have, the less attachment to, the, the less we're going to be apt to project from our own repertoire of experiences. Anyway, so stream of consciousness, it's, it's so fascinating. And then communication with the higher self of others. Clients, uh, their, gosh, one client had a friend she was so concerned about because she was getting so negative. And she said even her cats are starting to uh, to take on that, that angst. I said, all right, let's chat with her higher self. This is over the phone. And I said, so first we have to get up to the level of our higher self so that we're above the fray, above the eco self's agenda. You can envision a ball of light above your head, pulling your energy up. Uh, I know I'm not 
up there when it's my Edith ego self, those thoughts that are trying to rehearse the perfect conversation that's going to really slam so-and-so or show this person who's in my face with his politics. When, when it's those thoughts rehearsing that conversation, I imagine myself giving Edith a hug and putting her in timeout. And I've mentioned many times that Eckhart totally teaches us that just that we've observed what our thoughts are doing means that we're back to our authentic self and we're back in alignment. And so I encourage the client to go with me up to the higher, her higher self, and I, as I did the same, and I'm telepathizing with the higher self of her friend. And I could see the cat, you know, pets pop in, and they've got messages. I have, give, I have to give equal time to people's pets, plants, trees, manuscripts, houses. <laughs> everything is energy. Everything communicates. And uh, and so I'm to let, so the cat pops in first, and I, I'm say, seeing that the cat wants out, like it's going to run away, or it wants to go out. You know, it could be typically, or because the the, the owner has been having so much anger lately. And 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 then then I'm telepathizing to um, to the, the the higher self of her friend, and it's always with permission. And I'm saying, so here we are at what one big adventure, and Nancy and I are. Have, have just moved on to this higher frequency of resolution, greater understanding of, of unconditional love. You can be yourself. It's freeing. It's empowering. You're welcome to join us. We just want you to know you're cordially invited. Uh, and so then I heard my client say, well, good luck. And I said, Nancy, back up to your higher self. <laughs> she was <laughs> thinking, well, good luck getting my friend up on to that level. Um, I tried telepathizing with the higher self of our new president. And I knew that it was still, I I wasn't up to, I wasn't coming from my higher self when, pardon, pardon me, but I wanted to give him a dope slap. (laughs) I thought, I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm up to my higher self right now. So I took a deep breath. I tried again a little later. And this time I knew I was on that frequency of connectivity uh, above uh, uh, the larger landscape, above it all. And she looked like a clown. And he turned to me and winked. And I now try to hold that image of him, that he's definitely playing a part. He's definitely here really acting goofy. Sorry if I'm getting political here, but uh, acting goofy. And I don't think anyone can just do that, no matter what party. Um, but my, you know, at first a client said, what's going on? You know, how could this happen? And my first response was sort of blah, 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 that, well, everything lying below the surface needs to come to the surface to be cleansed and scraped off the, off the top. And then I thought there's got to be more to it. And then I saw that it really is all about contrast. And that, that many of us who have awakened spiritually, and I don't mean to sound hierarchical or that we're better than anyone, but it's just a choice. Some of us have chosen to jump off the karmic conveyor belt and observe our thoughts in our lives and, and say, oh, my gosh, he feels like my father who felt like my employer who felt like my ex-boyfriend. I guess I'm learning this. And then those insights shift our reality. And those insights that, that, that hold truth over time become the wisdom that our soul carries into eternity. So some of us have chosen, have chosen to jump off the karmic conveyor belt. And, uh, and those who are still kind of moving through life karmically, tit for tat, on that conveyor belt, it will move you forward. Um, 
who haven't really started to ask questions, like what's going on here? There's got to be more to life. Many times with a loss, that's a good awakener that where people will say, if there's a God, how could I lose this person I love? So the, the calamities, the tragedies are often the great awakeners. And then again, it's what we choose to do with the challenges, whether we spiral downward into victimhood or rise up and get these insights. And so I, I really feel that, that it, it, the dark really does have to get darker to contrast with the light. And that even those who haven't, who are still on the karmic conveyor belt or who aren't curious um, or, or, or all, who really believe all you see is what you get in life, I think they're going to start to be able to differentiate what's in truth, what's in authenticity, and what's not, what's false, what's, in, what's a dishonest, what's inauthentic. And whether they are conscious of it or not, I think this contrast is going to draw them more to the light, like moths to the light, uh, even unconsciously. And so I think he's serving that, pur- uh, that purpose. And I know I feel a lot less angst in my life when I see him as a clown winking at me, as opposed to <laughs> uh, what I said earlier when I gave him a dope slap. Again, that's when I knew I hadn't gotten to my higher self. Um, in terms of merging with another and going beyond time, another really uh, profound example in this last year, a client, um, well, a couple of good examples. I love collecting examples. A client who was so worried about her son, she hadn't seen him for several months. He'd almost died of uh, drug overdoses a couple of times. She had no idea where he was. She would just sort of get wind of it through friends, whatever. And then she discovered he'd been living in a car with a, um, a very toxic girl and uh, was close to a third um, possible overdose. So she was just beside herself, as any mother would be. And so I, I worked with her. I had worked with her a few times, chatting with her son's higher self. And this time, uh, I went to the future to talk to his future self. And I saw him in, in a facility or in a home with, with kind of 60s uh, earth tone colors. Uh, it was near a body of water, felt like it was on a lake. And she said, well, that you've just described the, um, the center. I, ho- I hope I can get him to the recovery center, whatever you call it. So I saw him there in the future, this potential positive future. And I merged with his consciousness. I could see things that he was seeing. And he'd met a girl in group who was, was also in recovery. And, uh, and, and he was very interested in, in a more, much, this much more wholesome uh, kind of gal. And then I said to him, your past self is risking um, death. And he's living in a car. And... It needs to be his own choice to get out of that car and can contact his mother and get help. Could you please reach your past self who's in that car in, in a very precarious situation and just encourage him to come onto this higher frequency and that he will have gifts for others. He ha- will have to have walked in those shoes to know what addiction can feel like and to know what it takes to come out of addiction and to have hope. And, and he will be able to help others if you can help him get out of that car and make more positive choices. Well, 
I I can't say that's what happened for sure, but the next day he got out of the car, contacted his mother, and it was pretty treacherous getting him uh, getting him medicated enough to get him to that facility. Facility. He's now left the facility. He's renting a, a place with others in recovery. He's got a job. He was even discovered in L.A. to do commercial. I mean, it's just been, been a total upward uh, swirl. Uh, and and I, I just have to think that chatting with his future self had something to do with it. I know um, I was having a down day um, trying to remember that my spirit knows no chronology and it hangs out at 39. I had just had a big O birthday. <laughs> and and I was driving by convalescent row and I'm thinking, no, no. And my future self popped in and her hair's a little shorter and she's on an island. I don't know if she's visiting or living there. And so my future self pops in and says to me, oh, get over it. <laughs> and a couple of times when I've been chatting with my son and I'm I'm just so enamored at his perceptiveness and his intelligence and his humor. He, he, and and, all, and I was thinking, just how, my heart was open. And again, that's the conduit. And I was just feeling so much unconditional love for him. And his future partner popped in. And she said, yeah, we're going to enjoy conversations like that on the couch when the kids are in bed. And so I think like any mother, I wanted to say, so how does it get from here to there? <laughs> I've also <laughs> chatted with his potential future son who's going to like spinach. <laughs> so that's the functionality of merging and going beyond time. Uh, I and wanted to ask that? you, do you work with, yeah, yeah. Do you work with um, um, dementia patients? Do you have clients that... Um, you know that you can reach their spirit because they're you yes. know have this condition. Can you talk well, a little thank bit you about for asking. that? I think these days they're saying that's a really good question, <laughs> and it really hits on my current passion, which is interpreting for the higher self of those with Alzheimer's, dementia, autism, coma, stroke, and so on. And sometime last year, I was, I was so thrilled. I was reached by a fellow. He Googled higher self to higher self communication and found me. And he wanted confirmation that he is indeed telepathizing with his wife who was in stage four Alzheimer's. He's been caring for her for going on five years now, bless his heart. And he, it's when, he said the best transmitting is as he's getting her ready for bed and it's sort of like a time of relief like ah the end of the day and he feels that she must be feeling it as well that he catches her thoughts and so in his consultation it was my my son says don't call it a three-way mom I guess I could call it triangulating or a threesome Um, and her her very perceptive lucid present overseeing higher self pops in and and confirms so many things that, yes, Van, you did catch my thoughts when I was holding the cat and I was telepathizing to you, the cat needs a bath. Uh, so these details that were so confirming. And then he came on as an apprentice, and every session was, was triangulating. And he said that she was coming through with her characteristic humor and perceptiveness. And when he would ask about her care, it's almost like, she was bored or what, oh, that body, what do you want to know? Almost as if she had like a remote that was moving that that body around on on the earth plane. 
um, and it really dramatized how I feel that you know we move around in these tool around in these golf carts we call our bodies. But uh, she she's projected to us three different facilities that Dan had yet to go look at, uh, and which one she would prefer, where she now has been residing for uh, going on a year now. Wow. And when I was there, when I, he brought me there to do a talk, and in, in the group was an, uh, an administrator for the Alzheimer's Association, and I always do minis at the end of the, at the, end of the talk, and this, was, this kind of goes another direction, but it was a fun um, example of this connectivity to higher energy. And so I was doing little minis, and I got, I got drawn over to her, and I said, I said, uh, you have, I see you have some bookshelves. I hate bookshelves. They just collect stuff. <laughs> and I said, well, whatever, but I, I'm being drawn to something on your bookshelf. She thought for a minute, and then she said, well, there's a little statue of Mother Mary. I said, oh, right. Now, some, some think I, some very religious people think that I'm being irreverent and uh, flippant in referring to the big M and the big J, Mother Mary and Yeshua. I prefer Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua. When they pop in to show where my client was in their on their knees in prayer, and yes, I've heard your prayer, yay. And, and I don't know why they why religious people wouldn't think they'd be lighthearted for heaven's sakes. Um, and and I said, so Mother Mary is just saying wanting you to remember to have hope and have faith. There's a bigger picture. And so um, when the big J pops in, and that happened just a couple weeks ago, and it was a client who was losing sleep because she and her husband learned that her son was flunking out of college. They'd gotten the letter. So I merged, and as I saw him through her eyes, I see all these music notes around his head. She said, oh, yes, music's his passion. He's a cellist. He's been invited into the local symphony. He's just thrilled. I said, that's where his heart is. So let him let him go where his heart is, and then I saw the likelihood of him circling back around, which could could be interpreted as we'll go back to school or some version of that. Then I felt the big J show up next to me, and again I I refer to them in that way to show their accessibility, and anything we put on a pedestal or high and and distant from ourselves is separating as opposed to feeling that oneness. Anyway, so. The big J shows up next to me. Whenever he projects stained glass window, that means church. So I said to my client, were you in church lately? She said, uh, yeah, it was a Christmas service, and, and, and my son was playing. I said, did you feel Jesus beside you? She said, yes, as a matter of fact, it's when my son was playing a solo, and he was playing from the heart, and I felt it. And I said, well, Yeshua is confirming he was right there. And it, the heart is the conduit. So later she emailed me, and, and we talked about releasing our kids to their own paths and letting them father, follow their heart and so on. And then she, and she, so she thanked me for that. She said, that's a tough challenge. She said, I'm going to work on it. And she said, and, and I'm so glad that, that Jesus showed up for you. I said, no, he showed up to confirm that he had shown up for you. And it's that simple. It's the heart connection. Anyway, so back to the 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 talk I was giving in in Atlanta. I I went then with with Dan to see Denise in person. He he's fine with me using their names. 
And it's, it's so distracting to see the physical self as opposed to remotely. Um, and and when it's it just all, it's such a different frequency, the physical self as opposed to the higher self. And I almost had to back away to connect with her higher self. I had asked for a sneak preview. I always do um, at the end of consultations when I've chatted with the higher self of a client's employer, you know, ex-husband, family member, whatever. At the end, I always ask for a sneak preview of a cosmic link they're going to be sending. One, one employer projected a bonsai tree, and the, the client emailed that a, a few days later her, her boss walked into her office, put a bonsai tree on her desk, said something kind, and walked out scratching his head like, why did I do that? <laughs> I call that trickle-down higher, conscious, trickle higher consciousness. Anyway, so before I met Denise in person, uh, before I got on that speaking tour, I uh, I asked Denise for a cosmic wink of of a, a sneak preview of a cosmic wink she would give me when I met her in person at at the facility where she now resides, and it had to do with something falling off a ledge, a light, a ledge or a shelf. Well, we we met with her and then went in to help her eat um, in the dining room, and there were some really good chocolate chip cookies they'd made, and and uh, they were all on kind of a counter behind us. And uh, and Denise Denise's back was as mine was was to this ledge with the cookies, and one of the cookies uh, on a on a, a plate fell and the and the plate broke and Denise looked right at me like there's your wink girl <laughs> there's your cosmic <laughs> wink <laughs> so it, it's just it's such a demonstration that we are so our consciousness is so vast and so timeless. And and anyone can chat with the higher self of another. For and I, the, I think a good theme is what I use that I invite you onto this higher frequency of unconditional love and resolution. Look at this drama we've we created here, and may we accomplish what we've come here to do. Um, and 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 ask for a cosmic weight. But you do have to make sure you've gone to the level of your higher self first, so that you're not imposing your will. People have asked how, if you're telepathizing like this, couldn't couldn't some see this as controlling another or manipulating? I maintain that it won't, it doesn't work if if you're not on the right frequency of higher mindedness and coming <clears throat> coming from the heart. And uh, one needs to be able to go from their head into their heart. That's an ongoing challenge for me: how to get people out of their heads and into their hearts. And 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 the the example I just gave of the gal in London, she was actually raised in Africa, and and that's where she lived with her father. And here I'm pantomiming this, you know, I'm trying to interpret his pantomime of something about the collar, and and in her logical mind, no collar, no, 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 no. But it, then she went into the heart, her heart, recollecting about her her father. I think I might have said grandfather about her father. And, and how grateful she was eternally that he had paid for her to go to college. So that that opened up the heart frequency. And then that's when she could, could decipher what he was pantomiming. Uh, and that was her, her a wonderful memory she had that he paid for college. And she and she said, yeah, I had just I've just pulled out the yoke on the on the graduation gown and was thinking of him. Bingo. And then yeah. that's what they usually show me. So, so yeah, Louise, let it's me ask. Exciting stuff. 
Uh, Louise, let me ask you: yes. Do you do you have a new book out? Do you is there something new that you're working on that you could tell us about? Are you going on um, tour, I, traveling? Well, I've got I ha, I'm working on three books. One's a memoir that's done, uh, and it's a departure from my my uh, my uh, usual work, uh, and it has to do with my daughter who never did anything halfway and converted to Judaism and married into the strictest Hasidic tribe where she lives in Jerusalem with my now nine grandchildren who only speak Yiddish. (laughs) So that's a memoir that's all done, and I'm searching for a new agent. Um, And then the the next two are personal stories and uh, another spiritual one. I think I'm, I'm working title is Connectivity, all these great stories about uh, about that, the heart being the connector, and and the connectivity to just about anyone. I I think uh, Geronimo even popped into to a consultation a year or two ago, and it was when my uh, my client was on an army base in Oklahoma, and wandered off up a dry stream bed, and that's what Geronimo was showing me. And he said, I don't know why I was doing it. There were snakes, and, and I was pretty far off, off the base, and something told me to turn left, and he came to Geronimo's grave. And it, it, before, it be, before it was a, a tourist attraction, I think this must have been in the 60s. And Geronimo, you know, had some things to say. And, and, and my client said, you know, I, I jumped out of airplanes in Vietnam, and guess what we said? <laughs> Geronimo! So I think Geronimo <laughs> kind of thought that was cool. Kind of thought that was cool, and and when I asked Geronimo for a cosmic wink, a sneak preview of a cosmic wink, I said he was showing me like Mexican jumping beans. I don't know if they if kids still have them, but when I was little, we had these Mexican jumping beans, and I read up on what they actually are. And yuck, it's some kind of stage of larva or something that makes them jump. But. Um, I read up on Geronimo, and apparently the uh, the uh, the U.S. Army killed his family, and 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 he hated Mexicans as, as well. So I guess it was a quite a a, a deep meaning to Mexican jumping team. Uh, and and I'm waiting to hear from my client that he might have stumbled upon some Mexican jumping beans. But I actually sent him a picture. I think I was in. I did a group in Tuscany. Uh, at the end of this last tour, and I think, I think getting some water at the airport little store, there were some Mexican jumping beans. I sent him a picture. I thought, well, maybe Geronimo was sending them through me. When have you ever seen Mexican jumping beans at an airport uh, concession <laughs> store? Right. I ask you. So, uh, so Louise, <laughs> uh, just to, to let you know, um, my grandfather um, was uh, Geronimo's guard. At Fort Sale, Oklahoma, for twelve years. And and can we wonder why I told that story? I never know why I'm saying what I'm saying. It drives me crazy. I I haven't told that story. I for, oh gosh, what do you know? It's all it's all in the airways. So you're you said your grandfather was a guard for Geronimo. Was his guard for twelve years at Fort Sale, Oklahoma. Uh huh. Wow, and that's where my client was stationed, Fort Sale. Yeah. For heaven's for heaven's sake! So now that it takes a lot to give me goosebumps, but I'm one big goosebump right now. And Geronimo's <laughs> popped in and is just doing. Is Geronimo was doing a high five. <laughs> Syn- synchronization is confirmation. 
synchronization Did, yeah, didn't, this, didn't, this, didn't this happen the last time or two we, we chatted and I said something about a Nissan car and one of you had just bought one, something like that. That was me, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was me. <laughs> I see what time it is and we um, have okay. the switchboard and, and my co-host Ariel is she has the switchboard would you be willing to talk to some sure. people uh, that maybe want to call in and talk to you right now yeah yeah and I prefer questions that are of interest to the listening audience at large absolutely Okay, good. Well, we really enjoy having you. I'm so glad when you contact me and tell me that you're ready to come back on the show because we love to have you and we love your stories. Oh, so, thank you I'll, so much. I'm I'm honored to to come. So, so back to you, Ariel. Okay. Um, so um, at this time, if anyone has a a general question for Louise about the topics that she's been talking about. If you're already on the switchboard, then all you need to do is press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. And um, if you're listening on the computer, then you need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1. So um, please keep the questions of general interest to everyone um, rather than you know, personal stuff. So you know we have uh, we have a caller that's going through the uh, screening process. So while that's happening, I just have to to tell a story um, about communication with the higher self because this this is something that I had heard about um, many years ago. I, I never really um, practiced it until I was in a situation of a little bit of desperation, trying to. Um, get a very important person to return my call. And for two months, I kept leaving really upbeat messages. I'd love to you know, hear from you, want to talk about this or that. And this person would just not call me back. And I heard about this communicating with the higher self. So in my very um, young, untrained way, I sat down in a chair. I pulled up another chair empty called this person's higher self to come and sit in the chair and um, explain how grateful I was and um, really wanted to um, collaborate. And um, it was kind of a, a business um, deal relationship. And after I did that, and I'm not kidding you, in 30 minutes my phone rang and it was him after two months of trying to get him Isn't to call it me. Isn't great? It's all on the airwaves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and, and I love it. You know, one thing I forgot to mention, and I don't want to take time from callers, but if any of you saw Arrival, the movie with uh, um, Amy Adams, and, and she's a linguist, and they've enlisted her to try to figure out a language with, I hate the word aliens, I hate the word ETs, I call them, Higher intelligentsia, HIs, and and so the whole it was a really fun movie. But the whole movie, they're fussing with how to create understand language, and I'm saying no, it'll be telepathy. No. <laughs> anyway, that's that that's great. It's it's very functional, isn't it? You reach you reached her higher self, and there she was. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, and I mean I've. I've had other people that, you know, clients, and I said, well, you know, just try that. I mean, completely not as um, 
um, developed as you are. But, you know, <laughs> I, I had success on my very first try. So um, that was cool. So we have a we have a, a a caller with a question that's ready to go. Uh-huh. You're going to be you're going to be talking to Karen. So let me get Karen's okay. mic open here. Oh, hi, hi Karen. Hello, hi. you're on the air with hi. Louise Howe. Hi Karen. Hello. Um, yeah, my, hi my, my my question is I'm calling from Chicago. Uh, my question is, do you consider yourself or have ability? Do you well, number one? Do you consider yourself like a time traveler um, to go? You know to uh, go into the future, and also, do you have abilities to uh, go back into the future? Like, if a client asked you a question, could you go back into in time and <clears throat> get any any type of like feeling or thoughts or ideas of like yeah. like? And do you consider yourself like a time traveler in a sense? Yeah, and I think I said earlier that my son cautioned me about calling myself a time traveling clairvoyant because people will think I had a time machine, but it's, <laughs> it's really just this, it, it's really as simple as consciousness is, is transcends time, linear time. And consciousness is that expansive. So when I merge with another in a consultation and I go to the future, I think I mentioned earlier, it's a little bit like a carrot on a stick. It, I describe this scene that's likely to happen if they make, good choices in the present and, and use some of the tools that I give them in the present. Here's a future that is quite possible that's going to lock into your, into your life. Um, and it's interesting because whether I go to the past or another life space, which I call what past lives, I call it other life spaces that relate to the, the present. And when I'm discussing something and there is a, a, another life space that relates to me. It looks like it sort of hydroplanes in and hovers over the present. And it's amazing sometimes the bleed-throughs into this lifetime for a client. So that's going to, to you know, the past past. But, the few, but this information, these things are so retrievable. And I think it's because they circumvent the mind or memory. And so uh, one example of a, a future that I saw for a client and and easily went back to, gosh, a year later, it was still hovering hovering out there. <clears throat> and she was, was divorcing and was moving to another state, was going to need to find a house. And her dog showed me the dog had already gone in spirit to the house that she had yet to find and, and showed me that there'd be a, a, already a built-in dog door and that when she first <laughs> goes into this, oh, wow. this house, she'll, she'll see the dog go over and lie down as if he's already been there because he has in spirit. And so a year later, she had a consultation. She said she found the house and it all fit and the dog did that very thing. And so when she mentioned it, I, the scene came back to me. So, yes, I'm able to revisit these future scenes uh, wow. just as I am past, past scenes. When I was describing the little boy self in the backyard waiting for his dad to come play ball with him. As I was saying it here just a little while ago, I was back there with him back in time as I was describing it. So if I were to tell you about my experience watching the second tower fall from my rooftop when I lived in New York on 9-11, as I'm saying it to you, I'm, I'm back there experiencing it. And then sometimes when I'm doing presentations, I have to remember I'm back here doing a presentation. Okay. So I have to leave 9-11 and come back to the present. Oh, wow. I hope, did, I, did I address your question? Yes, yes. 
Yes. Oh, good. I, I, and probably yes, you did. And more. <laughs> and more. No, no, that was perfect. That was perfect. I, I, I kind of always wonder how um, people. I know that there's a lot of people on the radio, and also um, generally that that can go forward. But a lot of times uh, they're hesitant to go backwards, or they just really don't want to go back in time, and rather f- focus uh-huh. on the future. But sometimes people have questions that need to be answered or resolved, or you know, just they need to know absolutely before they and can it, move it, on. It, 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 it's a really good exercise to to med- go into a meditation and go back and chat with your little girl self and see what she needs and see and 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 adopt her like you're getting bringing a foster child home with you. And and you can give her assurances. You so in a sense you can change the past, changing your relationship to it. Uh, I had a a client from South Korea, uh, who'd been fired from working for Estee Lauder for, and and in, in his culture there was so much shame, and he wanted me to erase the past. And instead we went back to his cubby the day he was, uh, fired. And his grandfather in the non-physical, the one he'd always felt unconditional love from, joined us in the cubby. So we're, his, his non-physical father and I are back in time in this fellow's cubby just as he's about to get fired. And I could see a picture of a sunset in, on, a, on his wall there and so on. And so we changed the past by having him, as he packed up his stuff, to hold his head high as he walked out, to trust there's a bigger plan, that there's a reason to give to give him integrity and uh, to to change his relationship to that de- to that event, but he'd been suicidal and anorexic the the whole thing. He was in such shame, and his wow. grandfather said, "So when you when you get those thoughts again of despair, meet with me in the forest." And that's where they used to sit and talk. He said, "I'll meet you in the forest," and so he could go, to go to the forest in his mind, and his grandfather would be there. So that's wow. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's we wouldn't want to erase nice. it. We go to a whole we go to a whole lot of trouble to get born and create all these challenges and I, I maintain that if if we died abused, believing there was no higher power, that we were unloved or heathens or whatever, we might come to an abusive childhood to remind us of that, that untruth that we that we are loved, but it might make us it might remind us of that untruth that we're unloved. To then rise up and say, "Well, let's just see about that." <laughs> mm-hmm. What 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 is your website again? You could L O U I S E H A U C K dot com, and then there's information about consultations on the consultation page. And if you go to Media Gallery. The first row of pictures, there's a picture of Tinkerbell, and it's a freaking fairy that came out on film. It was taken by a woman who has eyes to see, a sense of awe about life, a childlike wonder about life, and she saw this elemental on a fairy on a poppy across her living room. And she said, you're so beautiful, can I take your picture? And it came out on film. And wow. then there's three pictures. then there's three pictures of me holding up children. And these are children I interpreted to their parents before they were born. And when they point to their etheric head, that's code for, and when I'm born, I'm going to be one of those children that comes in remembering. Those children who say, uh, three, four years old, when I was your mommy, I used to drive you down the street. So (laughs) 
one one of them was quite remarkable. And when he was three months old, his mother emailed me and said, three of those things on his list happened this morning. And he had shown us before he was born something about an ice cream truck going by, a crib mobile being off balance, and a dog hitting its head. And the dog had to be so hard he hit his head on the floor. And Connor's in his crib laughing hysterically. <laughs> so they say after wow. I'm born, and you, and you see me laugh, it isn't always gas. <laughs> this, continu- wow. this, this, continu- this continuum of consciousness is pretty awesome. And, and you've always been. Thank you for your. Uh, oh, oh, I just have one more question. You've always been like yeah. this. Oh wow. <laughs> well, I when when I was when I was 4, I said to my mother, when you go to heaven, we'll write letters. And she passed when she was just 51. She was a concert pianist and my father passed uh shortly or 4 years before her. And yeah, and I said, we'll write letters. And we've been in touch and an aspect of her has now reincarnated as my oldest granddaughter in Jerusalem. And and uh and my and that granddaughter is pretty good with languages. She mostly speaks Yiddish, but she just adores me, and she'll brush the bangs off my forehead the way my mother used to. And wow. uh, when she was when she was three, I think she went into my daughter's room in the middle of the night and spoke English, and then said, "And now I will go back to bed." And my daughter was so uh, astounded she forgot what what my granddaughter had said to her. And she's now eighteen, and that's when they marry them off. Wow. Yeah, that's so my my mother and I, and I'm my own grandmother. I, it's more accurate to say <laughs> I carry an aspect. I carry an aspect of my father's mother who passed 4 years before me. I was named after her, you know, you wonder why. She was a writer. Uh the the aspect we're we're a greater or lesser concentration of soul particles. And that's how 30 people can be convinced they were Cleopatra. And so we can carry a greater or lesser density of those whole particles when we reincarnate. So, um, yeah, the, and the beat goes on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for answering my question. Oh, thanks for your thank question. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're, thanks thank for you. your question. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for calling, Karen. Bye-bye. Well, that was a good question. And, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've you know what I've had I've had people um not not just you know acquaintances to say oh do you believe in reincarnation that's like no yeah I know it I know it <laughs> you know yeah. I mean how listening to these stories I mean how could anyone deny that I know. we have more than I one know. lifetime children that come know. in knowing I, things yeah, there was a there was a channel source. Oh gosh, in the seventies, uh, messages from Michael, and I remember him saying that uh, that you you might not believe in chlorophyll, but the leaves are still green. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, well as, La- as Lavender Lavender's um, says, understanding is not a prerequisite for a happening. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. like like the fairy that came out, the Tinkerbell that came out on film. When I saw that picture, I said, "This is like a Tinkerbell," not knowing that that yeah. was the gal's name, nickname when she was growing up. How all the dots connect, but 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 yeah, you'll you'll believe you'll see it when you believe it, as opposed to you'll believe it when you see it. Absolutely. Right. Right. 
Golly. That picture is actually a bit of a Rorschach test. When I showed it at a workshop in London, very analytical fellow looks at it and he says, oh, that's the light refracting and rah, 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 rah. And, and then I said, so this was as far as his logical mind could stretch and, and embrace what he was looking at. Then I said, now look at it through your little boy self size. And then I, almost, I, I hear a click. He's gone from his head into his heart. And then he says, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, you've got to keep it in balance, you know. I mean, your analytical left brain is the thing that, you know, helps you get through the third dimension and keeping all of your you know, yes. stuff and appointments and things like that. But there's also a time when it's time to um, to shut that down because Absolutely. we have two, yes. you know, we have two opportunities um, in yes. You going to the right brain, going to the heart, um, and yes. at the same time, you know, having having the analytical brain, but knowing when it's time for who to go to work, Absolutely. that's probably the thing. And, and I always I always say you need to ground the wire, and uh, and the brain is a marvelous computer that lets us interact with our physical world. Where would we be without it? Uh, but it, but again to. To go into in from the head into the heart, that's that's a conduit to to higher energies and loved ones and beyond time. It's just it's just amazing. But yeah, we need both. That's for sure. And I have clients who are self self proclaimed workshop aholics, and they can name all the seven rays or whatever. But but then like I kind of play Doctor Phil and they say, so how's that working for you? <laughs> right. How's how's your life? How's your life going? Yeah. Yeah, well, you can gain knowledge, but if you don't apply it, um, it's just, you know, collecting dust in the shelf of your brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what, what good does so, that do you? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to kind of sum up a little bit here. Uh, so you are you are teaching that in order to expand anyone's um, natural telepathy, and we all have that, it's just that we've been told or trained that 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 doesn't exist. But in order to um, ignite that, it requires going into your heart, and in order to connect telepathically with another being, whether it's you know animal, mineral, or vegetable, you have to come from that heart space and and send the love before you can. Um, yes. Start with any dialogue or pictures or exchange. That has to be the the. It's the door that you have to go through to get yes. that you know telepathic communication. And, and you have to transmit from your higher self, not imposing your will on anyone. Uh, and and you know how I think another thing that facilitates it that helps. Well, for for I mean just just generally you can get a waiter to come fill your coffee your coffee cup if if they're present and you just open your heart and connect to their heart and, and send them the thought uh, or a picture. Pets see, pets see your thoughts as pictures when they're looking above your head. Um, and you, so you send, if you want the, the dog to sleep in the corner and not on your bed, you send it a picture of it sleeping in the corner and you'll see it jump off the bed and go into the corner. Um, <clears throat> uh, so, but uh, so in the way that you know how when you first learned about synchronicities, then you got more synchronicities, seemingly talking right. psychic timing of events. Once you understood that concept, 
and we're holding that space in your own consciousness, you've got more synchronicities. When you notice when you're telepathizing or someone's telepathizing with you, you know, they're standing in line and suddenly uh, they mention your name or, or something you've been thinking about. Or when I lived in New York and I'm at the, the, the cafe sitting on at, at the counter and a fellow hops onto the stool next to me and starts singing every little breeze seems to whisper Louise that my father used to sing to me. Or I'm at, I'm at Sammy's noodles hearing these two guys talk about what lie they should come up with for their friend they forgot to include in lunch that day. And I'm thinking, just tell them the truth, just tell them the truth. And then one says to the other, maybe we should just tell them the truth. So when you <laughs> notice that it's happening, kind of like synchronicities, you'll, 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 you'll see the effect. You'll get even more proficient at telepathizing. And you'll, you'll notice when others are doing it with you without realizing it. I think I've often used the example of, the, of someone had mentioned a series, Nip and Tuck, several years ago that I hadn't heard of. And then I go to a gathering. I'm meeting this gal and asking what she does. She does testing in the schools, very analytical, and she uses the expression nip and tuck. And I said, Do you, have you ever used that expression before? She said, no. <laughs> and I didn't have the time nor the inclination to explain that she had just pulled that out of my consciousness. So when well, you notice yes, it please. and identify it, you'll 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 get even you'll be more attentive to it and you'll get more of it and and it's really to be used for goodwill and inviting people onto a higher frequency. Not that we're any better. I mean, we we go to lower frequencies, you know, in despair and and like when, when I want to give so and so a dope slap, <laughs> and then right. I have to remember that I, I can't transmit if I don't open the heart and move move to that ball of light above my head from my higher self. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, we just had an, we just had another person. Uh, we got another person with a question here. Okay. So um, mm-hmm. you are going to be talking to Cindy. So let me get your mic open. Hey, Cindy, you're on the air with Louise. Hi. Good evening, Louise. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Cindy? I'm good. 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 Um, I just have a relationship question. What you see um, for a friend, a very good friend of mine, uh, if you see us moving forward with our relationship. I'm not. I'm not doing personal reading. Can you ask it in a way that might be informative to the listening audience in general? Um, ask it in a way that others might relate to. Um. Let's say, like a friend who da 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 da. da. Um, well, me, I could... Okay, I just I just picked up on it. So let me try to answer it in a more general okay. way as opposed to um, <clears throat> and see if this relates. Um, sometimes we are kind of illusionary about relationships. Of, you know, Pretty Woman, all the movies that get us kind of wistful. Uh, mm-hmm. Lady in Red. That song, oh, where's mine? Where's my ma- my man? Um, and some, sometimes what we're looking for is right under our nose, but it looks different from our illusions. And and so sometimes I get I get with your friends skipping over things, skipping over things. Like look to to see what let let things frame themselves in their own way, and and rather than imposing a prescribed checklist or. Uh, her version of the script. Again, the universe is far more creative. So there's something to be seen that's positive if she can look straight ahead and to the right, and I don't know what that means, straight ahead and to the right, 
and if she can let go of her illusions or expectations. I love the expression anticipation without expectation. Doesn't anticipation feel energized where expectation feels controlling? I, I, I yeah. get a real different energetic feel. So does that pertain at all to your, your concerns about your friends? Yes, it does. I mean, we've just been very good friends for a few years now, but we've just, um, we're getting closer. Uh-huh. Well, in general, you know, the universe is, is doing a dance with us. And, and when we, again, when we let go of what we think things are supposed to look like, the, and uh, we, we, we see a whole different reality. And, oh, my gosh, I didn't know there was this or that he was there or, or whatever. The other thing about relationships in general is what I call a misinterpretation of a soul sensing. And when people meet an old friend, soul to soul, and recognizing an old friend, they might think, oh, my gosh, she's the one, because they feel this sense of connectivity. When, in fact, like the, the client who said, I've met my soulmate, I just know it's him, he, he's married and has five kids, but I just know that love will tri- triumph overall. And I said, you have to look at why your paths are configured to be unavailable to each other. Chances are you've been there, done that, and you're back again to do something new, just to reflect something new to each other. And sure enough, I saw that they'd owned a general store in Prairie Times, and he was the, the brains behind the, the guy, and he was here now to support her spiritually and creatively, but not to drop everything and run off together. And so when... When, when you feel it, that connection to someone and uh, and it's confusing, you're not sure what, what it means, I always say just let it unfold. Let it unfold in its own way. I've had a few much younger men get turned on to me, and it was a little flattering, you know, asking Kutcher to me more or whatever. But thank goodness I knew what was happening. And I said, just watch it, just observe it, and you'll know what it's for. And do you know that that three that I'm thinking of over about a 10-year period came to the same conclusion and said the same words, you know, it was your light. They were misinterpreting my energy as sexual. Um, and so I just always say with relationship, let it take take the time you need and the, the time it needs to show you in right timing what, what it's for. So, and however that might relate to your friend, it's it's kind of works. It's it's kind of true for many of us. Like, oh my gosh, I feel the strong connection. He must be the one. Well, it's a yeah. Well, our paths our paths crossed about 15 years ago. We knew of each other, but at the time, you know, he was married and he just got divorced around maybe five and a half years ago, and our paths started crossing again after all those years. Yeah. yeah. We started running yeah. into each other again. It's like we just can't seem to get away from each other. Okay. Well, and just let it unfold and ask, you know, higher self to higher self. What an adventure. Now, why have we come together again? And I misunderstood. I thought you were asking about a girlfriend who had an issue about relationship. So whatever oh, no, I no. said. It's me. <laughs> so whatever I said, assuming it was a girlfriend, apply it to yourself. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let no, it unfold and, and, and let it let it be revealed, and obviously uh, you're not done. And it, it, there's such a myriad of of, uh, rela- of what relationships can be, but we, we get pretty much black and white. It's either this or that. We tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Friendships, 
associations, they're so multi, multi-faceted and multi-level. So we have to let it show itself what it's for. I hope that helps. Right. No, it did. Thank okay. you so much. <clears throat> Great. Yeah. And, you know, Cindy, you can, you can go to Louise's uh, website, louisehauck.com, if you want to get um, more, you know, personal private conversation. But oh, thank okay. you so thank much you for so calling. Much. Okay. Have Great. a good night. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, well, let me just uh, recap a little bit here uh, once again. <laughs> You have um, you have a, a YouTube channel with some really wonderful videos. I've got those linked on the announcement to just two of them, but I know you've got a whole bunch of YouTube um, offerings, teachings, and also your website, louisehauck.com, um, personal sessions, speaking engagements, um, anything that someone wants to um, explore, um, those are your avenues to do it. So. Thank you so much for your oh, presence on our show. Pleasure. You know, I mean, I could Thank just you. listen to your stories. I mean, you've got such great stories, and they're so confirming. <laughs> um, and and you're so good at what you do. So we are so glad oh, that you are on the planet at the same time with all of us. Well, ditto, back at you. I, mean, I just love you guys. <laughs> right. And, well, and yeah. it's just always so much fun chatting with you. Yeah. Well, you know, there's... There's some kind of a grand plan, I'm sure. Uh, but I Aren't we say, glad we just, to know that? Yes. Yes, there is a, gla- a grand I, plan. Thank, thank, and, thank, thank God there's a bigger picture, and I do. <laughs> right. And um, sometimes, sometimes uh, people just need to trust in that, that divine plan because sometimes, you know, when things work out and you look at them retrospectively, that's when it's like, well, this was, and people say, meant to be because it was so, uh-huh. you know, divinely the pieces fall into place. But we have to think back to before all of that happened and the person is, um, you know, worried and, and trying to control and trying to manipulate and do all this. <laughs> if you just sit back, just sit back and, you know, let your angels, let your star family, um, let your higher self, you know, do what they do best. And you just have yeah. to kind of get out of the way, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and the 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 wonders, <laughs> the wonders are never ending. Um, Absolutely, it's just, just too bad so well, that it, we dear. have to. We don't acknowledge them unless we're looking back and saying, "Oh yeah, look at all these how these things all lined up." And it's like, well, exactly. what makes you think that it? What makes you think that it won't happen like that continually? Exactly. So, Exactly. Yeah, yeah I often trust our higher selves. In, in challenging times, I often say, "I can't wait for retrospect." <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank well, you I love so how much you for put things, my dear. Well, and 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 you yeah. as well. You know, you've you've got a. Um, I mean, you're doing really um, very high spiritual work, but. It, you've got such a light heart about it, you know, making, you know, um, little humanizing, you know, uh, um, you know, mm. calling him the big J, you know, <laughs> that's just, uh, yeah. you know, it's just wonderful. So let well, us thank know. Thank you. Thank you. 
you are you're so welcome. Let us know when you have uh, some new adventures to talk about. When you when any of you your bet. new books come out, um, you're always a welcome guest on Starseed Radio Academy. Thank you so much. I'm honored. I really appreciate it. Much love to you. It's our pleasure, and thank you so much. And so that is it for us this week, boys and girls. We want to thank. Um, um, Tammy and Jada for handling the switchboard this evening and um, Lavendar and Anastasia as well as myself thank you all for listening and we will be back next week with another great guest uh, until then big hugs to you Louise and I want to remind thank everyone you. thank you I want to remind everyone to count your blessings every day stay in a state of gratitude and then watch the magic happen you got it. So that's right. So until next week, <laughs> big love. Talk to you all later. Yes. Bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 